0: Hi, I'm Mike Jordan lasky and I work with the Jesuits in Washington, D.C. The Women's World Cup is in full swing in France, with more elite teams vying for the championship than ever before. One of the biggest soccer fans around is Pope Francis, who recently said that sports can foster a culture of dialogue and respectful encounters. I wanted to use the occasion of the World Cup to dig into the spiritual and character-building dimensions of sports, so my guests in this conversation are two people who have been connected to the game of soccer for four or five decades between them. Shannon Hartinger is the girls' varsity soccer coach at Loyola Academy, a Jesuit high school in Wilmette, Illinois. She played in college at North Carolina State University, where she was a two-time captain and an all-conference scholar-athlete. James Milken is a Jesuit in formation who is studying philosophy, social sciences, and math at ITESO, the Jesuit University of Guadalajara in Mexico. James played goalkeeper at Whitman College in Washington State and has also coached high school soccer. Thanks for joining us. Shannon and James, thank you so much for joining us for a conversation today about uh, the World Cup and sports and spirituality and virtue. Uh, So good to have you both with us. Hope you're doing well. Why don't we just start maybe by telling me a little bit uh, about yourselves and uh, we can start with you, Shannon.
1: Awesome. Um, Well, I am currently the head varsity soccer coach at Loyola Academy in Wilmette, Illinois. Um, this, I just completed my first season with the Ramblers, um, but really looking forward to some exciting things within our program. Um, brief history about my playing background, I'm originally from the South, so I played at North Carolina State University. Um, upon graduating from North Carolina State, I went on to Duke, and I'm also a physical therapist, so um, you know, physical, physical therapist by day, soccer coach by night. Um, in addition to Loyola, I also run a top soccer program for kids with special needs.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Shannon. And uh, James, the Jesuit joining us today, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Hey, hi hey, K Shannon. Great to be here. Uh, so I'm from Tulalip, Washington, north of Seattle, originally. Uh, played uh, Premier and high school and then later college soccer at Whitman College in Walla Walla, Washington. I'm currently in my second year of first studies, so the stage after the novitiate. And I'm in uh, Guadalajara, Mexico. And uh, in addition to playing uh, excuse me, in addition to a little bit of studies and apostolic work, uh, I like to play soccer with the Jesuits and the laymen and women from our program.
0: That's awesome. So it's some, some nice soccer background here. I played only club soccer through maybe ninth grade, but have been a, a big fan of the sport uh, my entire life. I'm from New Jersey where like youth soccer is like the official state sport. Like everyone's playing soccer. Uh, so growing up with it uh, for sure was some really exciting uh, Teams as a, as a kid, both like was with the beginning of the MLS was, was fun, and then also uh, going to the Women's World Cup when it was hosted in the the states um, when I was a kid. So uh, some some great memories there, and uh, I think it's just, just like a, a cool sport uh, that brings really uh, so much of the world together. Really, probably the most global team sport, uh, and so I just wanted to to use that as a chance to to get together and, and chat about it, how it connects uh, with Jesuit and Catholic uh, spirituality and our, our hope in building the Kingdom of God here on Earth. So first, let's just let's just start talking about. The uh, the Women's World Cup itself. We're a couple of games in, so still in the early stages. Uh, Shannon, we we'll start with you again. What what have you seen so far? What's been interesting? I guess the the big headline early on was the United States a huge thirteen nothing victory over Thailand. But what have you noticed as a, a soccer player and coach?
1: Well, I think especially with um, the way that the first round games have gone, I think we've seen a much more competitive World Cup um, than we have in the past. I think there. You know, there are several nations who have started to bring women's soccer forward, um, which I think is really exciting um, when you think about Spain and Italy and um, I would say even the Netherlands and Norway. Well, I guess Norway's always been a powerhouse, but there are just more countries now, I think, that have a chance to um, make deep runs into the World Cup and and to win. I, I still think we see some of the nations that have struggled and maybe the women's game is not as quite as far along. But it's still exciting, even when you look at a country like Thailand, which there aren't that many women and girls playing sports, but they've still been able to make it to the World Cup. And as much as their loss is what everyone's talking about, I think the true spirit of the game is seen in the way they play and the way that they've approached the World Cup. So really exciting development for the game overall. How
2: about you, James? Yeah, I would echo Sharon and Shannon's sentiments about uh, the parody. There's a um, more... Competitive spirit to the World Cup, with some few closer matches than I think we've seen in years past. Uh, I've just been impressed with uh, the caliber of, of uh, tactics and finishes in particular, and some of the squads I've watched. Uh, I think USA's look good. I think France's look good. Even some uh, up and coming programs like Brazil has had some really strong offensive play. And uh, it's, I think we're going to have some top notch highlights when everything's said and done in France.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, coming from New Jersey, Carly Lloyd's my my favorite player, so I was excited to see her get a, on the board with a goal against Chile the other day. Uh, it's always a challenge, you know, coming from the U.S., this, like, n- international power. Uh, do I, like, root for the U.S. against these you know, other countries for whom soccer is more important? Uh, do I, like, try to hold back a little bit from that, like, jingoistic USA all the way thing? But I can't help myself. I, you know, I proud of, uh, of our team and uh, their, their performance so far, certainly. Uh, but soccer, again, obviously bigger in so many other countries than in the U.S., but just certainly growing here uh, in the States. So for, for both of you, again, who had pretty extensive careers playing and still connected to the game, what about soccer uh, in particular uh, attracted you?
1: For me, I feel like soccer is truly a game for everyone. And I think that's why I'm so attracted to it, um, or first as a player and now as a coach, I think if we look at, especially here in our country, the leagues that we have between recreational AYSO type soccer and then competitive travel leagues and the developmental academy and the um, elite clubs nationally, we have all different levels for any player to play. And I think that's what's so exciting. And then I think for me, even being involved with kids with special needs, um, there's even a program for those kids. So I think it truly is the game for all. And you can kind of find your niche as far as what you want to do if you want to, dedicate everything to soccer you can certainly do that but if you want to have soccer as like maybe a, a third or fourth sport you can still you can still find a place to play and i think we also see people continuing to play through adulthood which i think is exciting as well so i think it's it's truly a game for all and that's what i love most about it
2: yeah and i would think i, I would add uh, that it's really the is the world's game and um it's so, something that you can communicate and you can share wherever you are around the world i remember playing pickup in sofia bulgaria i don't speak a word of bulgarian but through the game through the flow of uh of this, this scrimmage we had uh, we were able to communicate and connect and i think there's something really beautiful to that i think i'd also say i love that it's uh it's continual play you know 40 minutes with it you know with the exception of set pieces and throw-ins and substitutions uh it's it's always on you know from from the beginning to end, uh, and I think that generates a lot of spontaneity. That uh, generates a lot of creativity and ingenuity on the field. It's a lot of fun to, uh, to watch, and I think because of that, uh, that spirit of uh, creativity and ingenuity that's at play, it helps uh, players get in flow. And I know I've I've seen that playing soccer, uh, getting in the zone, playing out of your mind, and at a moment that's really uh, integrating the head and the heart, uh, in uh, giving your best to the to the match and I think that's, uh, that's in a way as a spiritual experience, you know, that, uh, you're, um, the way, the same way you might be doing a centering prayer or something like that, that on the pitch, everything else kind of fades away and you're just present to the moment. And I think, uh, it's an experience that transcendent that I, I, uh, still hold on to, even though I don't play at a very competitive level these days. Sure.
0: So again, you both have played at that, that competitive level, but, um, not any longer but involved in other ways do you both do you find time to to play in your everyday lives
1: unfortunately for me my knee will not allow me to play anymore so coaching is the way that I can still be involved um, safely at this point in time in my life
2: yeah and I still work in for uh, scrimmages every once in a while i I didn't mention my bio but I also uh, played uh, after playing in college I went on to coach for three years I was a high school math teacher and soccer coach at a high school in central Washington state and uh, I would work in for scrimmages and uh, it's a lot of fun fun to still play in that way and then right a a few times a semester we get together with uh, with other players from from the university and uh, have games and afterwards we'll go out to dinner and it's a nice way to kind of break the routine of going to class with each other and celebrate and have a little friendly rivalry Um, so I still play that way Uh, yeah I think uh, like Shannon I've had some knee issues. I've, I've gone through two ACL repairs now and, uh, not trying to have the hat trick on the, on the knee repairs. So, uh, uh, so I try to tighten that back a little bit and I've picked up a little more running and biking it's a little more easier on the joints these days.
0: So Shannon, you talked a little bit about kind of working with, with, uh, young people with, with special needs in soccer and again, a sport that without mm-hmm. too much equipment need. And again, in, in some ways can be played, uh, really anywhere where as long as you just kind of need a ball and, and some space. Um, so talk a little bit about, about that experience, kind of bringing the game to a community that, that often doesn't have opportunity, uh, to, to play in a group sport like that.
1: Sure. So my, as my day job, as I mentioned, I'm a physical therapist and I work actually within the public school system, um, in the Northern suburbs of Chicago. So this is definitely a population that I'm familiar with and a population that I'm very comfortable working with. And for me, I look at soccer as a vehicle to work on so many different motor skills. Um, it's it's definitely been awesome. We run a program where we where we pair um, buddies with our players, and through that, they some of the kids play fairly competitive games, and some of our kids play games that would you'd probably see in like a PE class, where you know maybe the object is to kick a soccer ball and knock over a bowling pin, or you know, maybe the object of the game is to go get a soccer ball from a middle area and dribble it back to their home base or whatever, whatever the goal of the game is. But I think what we've seen is just it's a great way for the kids to connect with um, their typically developing peers. And then also at the same time, just really, I think, as we've talked about, just the camaraderie that the game brings. So it's been just a great journey for us to have that as part of our um programming in our area. And then most recently, Loyola actually hosted the statewide Top Soccer Festival where we united programs from all over the state of Illinois for, you know, a couple hours of just like a fun festival atmosphere. So that was really cool for our players, you know, at Loyola to be able to come out and volunteer at that event and really connect with a lot of different players of all different abilities.
0: Yeah, so the way you describe that there really makes me again think of soccer, in, in this case, being used as uh, this driver of community and building community across boundaries. And and uh, I'm just curious to, to ask you both kind of about your experience in that kind of the way that soccer, uh, sports, but soccer in particular, can be again these vehicles for for bringing communities together for building communities across, you know, different social boundaries. Uh, Pope Francis himself is a, a big soccer fan and has, has written about this, you know, this ability of sports to help build community and to build solidarity and, again, people's individual character. So I'm just curious, like, with your own long experiences, maybe James, we could, we could start with you, uh, just to, any stories or moments where you really felt like, oh, this was a great example of how uh, of soccer can build those, some of those virtues that Francis talks about.
2: Yeah, I think Pope Francis is spot on that uh, sports in general really do help learn help to learn character-building traits. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of ink spilled about uh, St. Paul's words about uh, Christian life being like a race, you know, something that you have to train for. And, you know, there's a lot of reflections on on ethics, uh, you know, that people from Aristotle or Aquinas talking about uh, the cardinal virtues, you know, that uh, a, a uh in the in when you train for something you have to have a prudence and the spirit of justice that kind of identifies a worthwhile goal you need to have uh, uh need to have courage to kind of work at it and grit it out to the end you need to have temperance whether that be uh um finding the right balance between nutrition and conditioning and strength i think that all works towards the goal you're trying to get but i think uh maybe an underlooked virtue that that shows up in sports is this virtue of vulnerability. And I could give you a, an example of that from my own experience. Um, when I was playing at Whitman, uh, Whit- it's Whitman's in Walla Walla. It's, it's claimed to fame besides some universities and uh, some vineyards and wheat fields. it has got the Walla Walla state penitentiary, the, the maximum security prison for the state of Washington. And uh, my sophomore year, we got invited to go play a, a game on the yard. Uh, so our coach agreed he actually thought we were going to be playing against the the guards, uh, for a, you know, a friendly. And I, I remember walking through the these you know, 20 foot tall gates and having the gates close behind me and covered with razor wire. You know, that's a, a bit of a vulnerability there that you're stepping on for, you know, going out, warming up on the, on the yard and having 150, you know, inmates, uh, line up on the sidelines and, uh, and see that we're playing against the, the inmates. We're not playing against the guards and, uh, vulnerability there they definitely had uh i think about three guards and and 150 inmates so a spirit of vulnerability there too and i played goalkeeper and there's some 1v1s their their star striker was a guy named lobo and i remember the sidelines really egging him on and telling him to be pretty physical and i had to you know come out and collect some 1v1s diving at the feet of uh, of lobo you know and he'd jump over me and you know that's vulnerability there you could Kick you in the teeth, you know, if he, if he had decided he wanted to. And but after that game, you know, which was one of the cleanest I've ever played, actually, we uh, we got together and shook hands. And I think in those moments, there's we were no longer kind of defined as maybe university students from uh, a lot of privileged backgrounds, and uh, and someone defined by the worst thing they've ever done, but rather kind of we were all beloved children of God, and uh, and. Uh, we had a spirit of real solidarity and kinship that came from that that I think, uh, is real present in, in sports, uh, in ways that are hard to replicate in, uh, know other areas of life. So I think that vulnerability is a key piece too, in addition to the cardinal virtues.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a, it's a powerful story. Thanks James for, for sharing that. How about you, Shannon, any of those experiences of, of sports kind of helping uh, people grow?
1: So I think for me, from my personal experience, um, and I believe James also alluded to this, um, you know, I think in our game, unfortunately, we see a lot of injuries. And I think especially in the female athletes, it's very common for um, women soccer players to tear their ACL. And I personally also, for mine, way back um, in the day, <laughs> twenty. I think over twenty years ago now. Um, but I think through through that type of adversity um, as an individual player, and I we just had a player at Loyola also tear her ACL. Um, I think we see the growth that can occur within an athlete, um, both on and off the field, from having to be faced with a challenge such as a you know a season-ending injury. Um, so I definitely say the courage that athletes um, uh, I think demonstrate during the time of of something. Something like that is is something that I think carries us through life in so many other ways. So, you know, I know for me, I just felt if I can get through the surgery and the rehab and and coming back to play on the field, I can get through pretty much anything. Any experience I have in my life, I always go back to the way I felt. My first day of PT after I tore my ACL was just like, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But then, you know, everything got easier as I was working my way back to the field. So no matter what I face in today's world, nothing to me will be as bad as that. Um, so I think that's definitely something a lot of our athletes can um, can show great fortitude as they, they deal with adversity like an injury. And then I just think in general, like teams deal with adversity in a lot of different ways. And I think, you know, the team often comes together most when times are the toughest or at least great teams do I think teams that can't come together when times are toughest and deal with the adversity to move forward aren't successful teams so I think that was something we saw this year when we um, lost a couple of key players to injury was was the group coming together and learning from that adversity and tough time to move forward and to come out ahead at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. I think that the coach's role in that is so important, someone to help, especially with okay. young people, like how to helping to guide and to right. kind of persevere through the, those things. And I think about some of the the great coaches, you know, I had even as a kid who are really great teachers or even some of my favorite coaches in pro sports or college sports today, you could tell are just really okay. great teachers and approach their job as teacher. So since both of you have had coaching experiences too, like Have you, do you see the role sort of as teacher? What are some of the lessons then that you think are important to try to impart to your players, no matter where you're coaching or what the situation is?
2: Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of parallels. Having taught and also coached, I think they really do complement each other. Um, I think uh, it's a great, great way to, uh, to reinforce some of the lessons that you're trying to do in the classroom, you know, and that was a big part of how I coached, I would try to uh, you know, reward players that were doing well in the classroom, and not just focus on on uh, playing the the players that could maybe run the mo- score the most goals. Um, you know, if uh, I was getting a uh, news from the from a teacher that they're making life miserable for them, even if the player was academically eligible, I think I would try to uh, uh, not play that that kid. And I, I always try to tell the kids that they're student athletes, you know, which means you're a student first and an athlete second. Uh, and I think the lessons you learn in, in those games, learning how to uh, perform under pressure and how to bounce back from adversary duty, like uh, Shannon was mentioning, are really great life lessons that complement what education should be all about. You know, the cura personalis of uh, not just educating the mind, but also uh, helping to build young men and women that are. Uh, reflective and courageous and able to uh, uh, do good work when they're, when they're done with their time at their Jesuit institutions.
1: You know, I would wholeheartedly agree. I think especially um, when you're like me coaching at a high school level, um, my role as a teacher is, is definitely evident that um, as we carry on, you know, the mission and the values of Viola, it, it has to happen everywhere, not just in the classroom. And so I think because we have these student athletes during such important years as they're faced with so many different temptations in life and, you know, there's just so many other things pulling them in a lot of different directions. I think we really have an opportunity to reinforce, um, you know, good values and reinforce, you know, hard work and, you know, how often talent, you know, talent can't beat hard work. And maybe sometimes it does, but most often hard work will, will outlast talent any day. Um, and then I think so. Just going back to that general thought of the the team is greater than one, and looking at I really try to do a job with my athletes on understanding that everyone has different roles and that every role is so important. And I think that's something we see in the workforce that you know if you look at any successful corporation, you need every single person that works for that corporation on the same page and and doing their role and doing their role as best that they can. So I think that's something that's so important with the team that, you know, oftentimes you have a starting 11, but then beyond that you have players who have to come off the bench and have to have an impact. And I think that's been something that we were lucky to have this year is that we had contributing players from top to bottom. And even if a player was only playing 10 minutes a game, they still did the best they could to have an impact in that 10 minutes. So I think that's important. You know, and then finally, I think just the idea of like being – disciplined in what you do, just that, you know, the kids have so much to balance between the rigors of the academics at Loyola and then just looking at, you know, social life and, you know, wanting to give back and volunteer and play a varsity level sport. So I think it's just really important that the kids understand um, how they can balance and be disciplined in all that they do, which I think is, is definitely a value that will lead them far in
0: life. Shannon, I love the way you described the role of everyone and kind of each having an important piece and that to be brought to mind, uh, St. Paul's image of the body of Christ that like each part of the body is important and is needed. And if we didn't have a nose, like where would the sense of smell be, right? Like we need all of those places to, to right. be, to be, to building up the church, building up by the body of Christ, uh, on earth and, and connects And such a strong parallel to, to team sports in particular, where kind of everyone's role, uh, is important, um, which uh, i think bringing me back to you james just to, to think about your own kind of journey and vocation and, and joining the society and your own athletic background as well like are those do those things seem like do they are they parallel do they line up for you or Do they reinforce each other i'm just curious about as someone who had you know played sports at a high level and then entered the society uh how your spirituality and uh that background for you as an athlete go together
2: well that's a that's a good insight you know um I guess I hadn't reflected too much about uh, how how sports and the spiritual uh, journey I've been on as a Jesuit line up, but I think there's I think there's a lot in, to say about that. You know, um, like what you were saying, Mike. You really took the words out of my mouth about being part of the body of Christ and each person has a role. You know, uh, Jesuits and throughout my formation, there's a, a, a need to work together in teams and sharing and forming community, not only within other Jesuits, but also with their uh, lay partners and in um, a spirit of, that we're all on the same team and working together and trying to uh, do some good in the world. I think it uh, shows up in sports as well as uh, in, in the spiritual vocation. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I like the idea of, you know, in the Jesuits we often refer a lot to uh, Madonna de la Strada, the our, our Lady of the Way. Nuestro Señor del Camino, it's in Spanish, who is, uh, the, the Christian life is like being a, a pilgrim in a way. And that was one of St. Ignatius' favorite ways to refer to himself. He referred himself as the pilgrim. And uh, I think I, I see a lot of parallels in that, and that kind of being a pilgrim, uh, trusting in the road, uh, trusting that, uh, that the preparation you're doing, the, the training you're doing as a, as a Jesuit is going to equip you to be able to uh, uh, face what comes your way after the formation is done. I think is, is probably a, a, true, a true observation about how that works. but I'd like to reflect more on that. I don't I guess I don't have a pat answered, but uh, I think there I think sports, uh, the experience I've had working in the a team, the, uh, the chances to train and, and work towards a goal that's far off lines up a lot with the uh, long Jesuit formation.
0: Sure. And Shannon, it seems like from your own biography that coming uh, to Loyola was your first, like kind of big Jesuit uh, affiliation. You know, the first time you've coached in at a Jesuit school. And I'm just curious, even only being one season in, are there things you've noticed about that community that that set it apart that make it different from other places you've been?
1: Yes, I feel like right away I noticed the strong sense of the Loyola community from you know, the time that I was interviewing for the, for the job and just everyone I met, there's definitely a strong sense of community amongst um, every Rambler, um, whether it's our security guys, our maintenance guys, the athletic director, the principal, um, there's just such a strong sense of community. And I think that was one of the reasons as I was making my decision of why the job at Loyola just seemed like the right fit for me, um, worth where I am in my career and in my life. So that was probably one of the most remarkable things. And then I, the second thing that I really enjoy is just the um, emphasis and willingness of the student-athletes to serve others. Um, you know, I think everyone has different things that they're passionate about, but I think all through the community, it's just this intense um, willingness to serve others in a lot of different ways. And I think that's exciting because as a high school coach, I think on the field, the wins and the losses, that's often what is what is written about in the newspapers and gets the press. But I think it's the things that are happening behind the scenes and off the field that are really helping to shape our kids, our student athletes, in their, in their growth and their development. So those were two things that were important to me as I took the job at Loyola.
0: Sure, and, and I hope that we would see that in youth sports. Uh, you know, again, all of those virtues that that sport has, and those things, that, ways that it can help form people and and turn them into, you know. The uh, hopefully people of you know justice and fairness and community and uh, other centeredness but we know too that like sports especially on like the big money stage uh, whether in professional leagues or, or big-time college sports here in the u.s like oftentimes are connected to sports and values that might not be uh, so well aligned with Catholic Jesuit values you know things like uh, like the celebrity and big money and materialism and or even like some of that imagery of like the conquering athlete you know d- vanquishing everyone in their path doesn't necessarily seem to c- like line up all that well with our teachings about compassion <laughs> and so I'm, I'm just curious about that too maybe James to start with with you, or uh, how, how might someone kind of reconcile those things, you know, those ways in which sports and spirituality might not seem all that well aligned?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Mike. Uh, I think you're spot on that some of those uh, more worldly values have cre- creeped into into sports, unfortunately. And honestly, I think that's a big reason why people hang it up. And, uh, it, you know, I, I remember hanging up the Quades after trying to play some men's league because you know, who wants to get tackled from behind in a, you know, a Tuesday afternoon friendly, you know, in men's league or a guy blowing up and screaming at the ref, you know, over a call and it's like, you know, it's, a, it's having a game here, you know, let's just have some fun. And I think it's also becoming fun uh, and uh, and it loses uh, its character-building aspect. Uh, and I think, I think soccer's done better than a lot of sports. You know, I think about uh, knocking the ball out of play for uh, – uh, for an injured player, you know, and then throwing the ball back in the other side, I think that's a good side of Shana's side of sportsmanship, but um, I think there are some really seductive aspects of power and money and status that kind of creep into into sports, and I think it's important to be able to uh, uh try to work against those
0: Shannon, how do you avoid that? you know especially we have recruiters who come knocking or again when like there seems to be such a high priority placed upon like you know beating everyone else like. Uh, How do you make sure that those things stay in balance?
1: So I think a couple of things. We're fortunate right now that in the women's game, there's a little bit less, I think, of the materialism and the big money and um, some of those temptations. And I think it really comes down to our athletes play for the love of the game. At the end of the day, when you hear some of the salaries of a women's player compared to a men's player, even, or even on a grander scale, comparing how much a women's soccer player makes versus a pro baseball player. I think we're fortunate that that hasn't, well, not fortunate, because there's a lot of, um, a lot going on and a lot in the media about equal pay. But I, I do think at the end of the day, the women are playing truly because they love the game. And so I think for us, we've got a lot of great role models within our game of athletes who go out and compete and they work hard and and they're not making millions of dollars. Um, and so for a lot of our players, it is, you know, the opportunity to play collegially is their goal. And I think what I've loved about the athletes we have at Loyola is that, you know, they've they've really looked at the places where they want to go to school academically and, and finding the right fit academically versus being lured away by maybe the promise of a college scholarship or whatever. So, you know, one of our top seniors that graduated this year is going on to play at Washington University where you know, obviously she's going to get a phenomenal education, have the opportunity to play for a very competitive Division three program. So I think I like that in our game, I don't think we've hit that yet. I don't know if that will happen soon or if ever. Um, but for us, we have a lot of phenomenal role models of women who just go out and work so hard and play because they love the game.
0: I do think we have, if we're going to talk about the Women's World Cup, though, as you mentioned, Shannon, there has been a lot of attention on the, the players fight for, for equal pay. And, and I think that for that, like, labor justice issue that is definitely in line with, with Catholic social teaching, I think that's really inspiring sure. as well. Uh, people who, are not being paid. Uh, representative to how much, you know, their work is valuable, is valued. And so uh, it obviously has been in in the news right. and, and uh, hope we uh, can join them in, yes. in, in their struggle and solidarity and uh, helping to lift up those voices. And I think that's been an important voice. And I know uh, as an alum of Notre Dame, uh, our women's basketball team had, went pretty far uh, in the tournament this year. And our head coach uh, made some headlines by also doing the same thing, talking about uh, how, you know, women's Uh, pay and their, you know, role in society isn't often kind of seen as, uh, as important as men, but that, you know, it's important for girls coming up to have role models uh, from, for those who are, you know, are talented to have an opportunity to make a living in the game. And and so she, you know, I think there've been a lot of, a lot of this attention paid recently uh, to, to making sure that again, women are are paid equally, treated equally uh, in in that work. And I think that's a important conversation uh, to having and, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm just glad that that's been been raised, and even though I think it shows some of the, like the distance we have to come yet, even though uh, obviously um, we've all, we have come far. Well, and I think we're
1: fortunate here in the United States of of how far we are along. Um, if you think of some of the countries in the World Cup, where I believe it's Jamaica that they've, uh, I think their coaches are volunteers; they're not even paid coaches. And I believe the Bob Marley Foundation has funded much of. What the Jamaican women have been able to do as far as travel and uniforms and equipment. So, when you hear a story like that, or when you when Thailand scored their goal yesterday, and there was a woman in this white suit who was jumping up and down, tears in her eyes, um, because she's been one of the biggest backers of the program in Thailand, and I think she also employs several of the women in the off season. So, I think as much as we are fighting for equal rights, I think there's even a bigger fight going on in the world with. Um, with these federations from other countries finding ways to support women's soccer as they have supported the men's programming. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how those things develop, especially after, you know, this has been at the forefront of the media, this world cup.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as you mentioned, we, the world cup is such a chance to see, to learn about the rest of the world, you know, to learn about uh, this, the state of the women's game there in this case, or just to learn about, uh, you know those countries uh, some of the challenges they face I mean even remember with the, the last Winter Olympics hosted in Korea when the, the you know the two Korean teams from the north and south came in together into the stadium how big of a, a deal that was and we see in some of these international events there's always this talk about how maybe they can sort of be these these sources of healing or different countries coming together even if they don't get along on the world stage and, and I, sometimes I wonder like are we putting too much pressure on an event like the World Cup or is there actually some real good that can come out of things like like this like this tournament this year like the olympics um so what just curious about both of your takes on on that is like what what good do you think can we see like on that kind of big level or have you seen uh in the past uh james you want to start sure
2: uh i think you're you're right that uh, sports can help build uh community for the for the reasons i talked about earlier courage and vulnerability all encounter i think that comes from partaking in sports um yeah, I think I think uh, even for even for fans, you know, seeing watching on TV some of these parts of the world they've never been to, it takes some of the otherness away from uh, different people from different walks of life, and say, "Oh, these people love this game too that I also love." And I think there's a sort of spirit of solidarity that comes from that uh, that can help uh, heal some of the divides. I also really like the idea uh, of of think globally, act locally. There's a great uh, word in. In Mexican Spanish, called a cascarita, which is just a friendly match amongst friends. You know, it's a pickup match. You know, usually don't keep score. There's a uh, there's a spirit of 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 creativity and um, a lot of friendly banter, and uh, everybody finishes having a lot of fun. And I think that's a a good good insight about uh, in sports as well too. That you know, there's a lot of going on internationally, and it can be overwhelming to think about. Uh, some of the deep divides there are in the world, but I think there's nothing stopping us from, you know, putting on the cleats and working in for a cascarita, a little pickup match in your local park, and I think that can help heal some of the divides in our own backyards.
0: Shannon, do you have any uh, thoughts on that question?
1: Sure. So, you know, I think one of my favorite moments of each game is watching or is listening to the national anthems and watching how each player is belting, you know, at the top of their lungs and they're singing and the pride that they're singing with. Um, for their country. And I think we've seen, you know, at the World Cup, there is such a passion amongst the players and the coaches and the fans. And, and, you know, as of yet, I, I don't think I've heard anything that's been negative other than maybe I know there's been a lot of grumblings about the U.S.'s score over Thailand. But I feel like in general, like the pride and the spirit with which each nation has approached the World Cup, and you can see it from every inch of the players, has been just phenomenal to watch. And so I think for a month at least, I feel like we put a lot of differences aside and let the game happen, which I, I think is just awesome in our world um, when we think of all the things that are going on. So I, I definitely think this is the World Cup is always, whether it's the men's or the women's World Cup, is always just a way that the world is watching and the world is united in so many ways, which is really cool to see.